Welcome to Retiring Today, the podcast that guides you to and through retirement. I'm Molly Nelson, the host of the podcast here in the podcast booth, Rochelle Smith. She's the producer of the podcast and Sean Honkamp is with us. Sean is a retirement income certified professional, a certified financial fiduciary, and a CPA. Today, we're talking about one of the financial rules of thumb. You'll need 70 to 80% of income you made in your final years of employment in order to live a comfortable retirement. It's one of those rules that is out there when you look up financial information. It's something people talk about. But we're going to talk about why that rule is mostly wrong. Sean, you live by any rules of thumb? Do you wear white after Labor Day? I, I'm sure I have in the past, but I don't, <laughs> I don't pay too, too much attention. Those to white linen pants, you wear those. And wardrobe. But. Rochelle, do you wear white after Labor Day? Oh, I sure do not. You sure? I know. It's weird, right? So there are these kind of rules of thumb in life uh, that we think, oh, should I put on those white pants after Labor Day? And then I did do a little research on this. Interestingly enough, do you guys know the origin of that, uh, that rule of thumb? Oh, no. Okay, so there's two conflicting sort of um, histories of it. One is that that's what kind of rich people used to put on was white when they traveled like out of the city and off to the, let's say the Hamptons. So it was kind of like a status symbol to wear white, but if you did it after Labor Day, then you weren't traveling anymore. But then also a, a much simpler explanation is white's cooler. So you wear white in the summer. Um. So there, there's your little history lesson for today. A couple of other rules of thumb guys, I before E except after C. But then of course, all these rules of thumb have, you know, um, what's the word? Exceptions. Exceptions. For, yeah. Neighbor way. Yep. See these rules of thumb. You can't. You can't follow them. Measure twice, cut once. That's a rule of thumb. It's a great one. You like that mm-hmm. one? Absolutely. Out on the farm, I'm sure you had to do lots of repairs growing up on the dairy farm. Did you measure twice, cut once, or did you did you learn the hard way? I think you learn like anything. You try it out and, and feel confident in your abilities. And but yeah, from an efficiency standpoint, always better. Okay, so let's talk about the financial rule of thumb. Sean just set the scene for us. I know you've had people talk to you about this rule of thumb before. You've 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 read about it. Kind of tell people what it is just to, to get us started. There's so many generalities out there. I mean, when it comes to when you're approaching something new, like anything, people are going to do searches. So as you approach retirement, not uncommon that people are hopping on the web and doing a lot of Google searches. And there's a number of generalities out there. You know, the four percent rule, um, the sixty forty. We've covered those types of things. You know, those topics in in different TV shows and podcasts and and such and that you know that needing 70 to 80 percent of your income is another one that's out there so it tells you just look at your gross income and when you hit retirement stage you don't necessarily have the same level of deductions and expenses so they like you know the the general thought or or the philosophy that is shared is that well you don't need to continue to have 100 percent of your income so you can just plan for something less you know the 70 to 80 percent and the biggest difference there is that maybe you aren't paying the income taxes. You're no longer having earned income. You're taking distributions. So that's where you, you know, the philosophy or the belief says that you don't need 100% and you can live on something less. Okay, we can wrap the podcast. There it ah. is. Well, thank you so much for listening. Okay, everybody, have a great retirement. But wait. It's not that simple, Sean. It's not that simple that if I made $100,000 in the, the year before retirement, I'm only going to need $70,000 the year I retire. Yeah, maybe, but. And the but is the part that we want to explore today because, yeah, you can you can shoot for that. You can aim for that. But we think and we know because you sit down with people every day and help them retire, there's a lot more that goes into it than just some 
percentage that's going to work for you. There are a lot of factors that determine how much money you're going to need each month in retirement. And the first one that you talk about with people, Sean, is how do you want to live your lifestyle in retirement? Yeah, the lifestyle plan is one of the components of our overall planning process. And it's an important one. I know it's something that we've made, you know, formal formalized more as a part of our process just over the last year. But we've been doing that type of work, having those conversations with our families for a number of years. So identifying that lifestyle plan, we often ask and talk to our families, what do you guys envision retirement looking like? And that conversation is fun to have when it's maybe a few few years before retirement. You know, we always talk about, you know, if you're within 10 years of retirement, that's the right time to learn more about having a retirement plan um, because it, it, that's the nature of planning. You know, if you have a few years before retirement, you can start developing what that retirement plan is going to look like. You can have a better sense of your lifestyle plan um, versus, you know, maybe being right at the state, you know, doorstep of retirement and not knowing that can make it a little more challenging to you know, answer what that lifestyle plan is going to be and have a sense of maybe what your needs are. Yeah. One of the fun things about working in retirement planning like we do is I think all the time about what I want to do when I retire. Rochelle? Oh, I do too. Yeah. You've got plans. We've got plans to travel and there's things I want to see. And maybe by that time I'll have seen some of them and maybe I won't. So I think if you told me that I, you know, had to pull back in those first years of retirement, that would be kind of a tough thing to hear. I don't know that I want to put the brakes on after putting in 40 or 50 years of working and someone says, nope, Molly, uh, we're going to, we're going to eat less. We're going to go to a, you know, we're going to pull back some of those, those fun things that you enjoy. I think, well, that's not what I've worked so hard for. Yeah. All those dreams you had that now you have to budget and say, oh, we get to do about half of them. Right. So that, that's not really what the golden years are supposed to be. And, you know, even as you made that statement, Molly, I, I kind of laugh a little bit because I know that, you know, when you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, you're thinking about retirement. And we know that that's not necessarily on the doorstep. And we're working every day and, and working five days a week. Of course, we all want days off. And we dream about what I would rather do today than be working. But I feel, you know, we sense in these conversations, these visits we have with our families that it turns a little bit once you get to your 60s and hit retirement. Sure. And I think about, I was just on the phone with my dad last night. My mom and dad are in their early 70s. Um, they do stay busy, but it's, it's a different, right? You, you, you need to find ways to stay busy. And I was even telling him that I need to get better at finding some hobbies. You know, I got young kids and it's mostly, you know, just being around them and then soaking them up as much as possible. But I'm going to be as guilty as some of the families that we have that, in my early 60s, I'm not sure what else I'll do. So that, And that's what prevents some people from making that retirement decision is not knowing what that lifestyle plan is. Yeah, and as we were getting ready to podcast today and start recording, you said, Sean, the one thing you really want to tell people is when you first meet with people as a retirement planner, you're not talking about their gross income and, and the amount that they made. You, you are having this lifestyle uh, conversation because the gross income doesn't really do a lot to go forward into retirement. Yeah, that 70 to 80% rule or belief, that can be great. So whether you think it's too simple or, or even if you do you know, accept and say, all right, that's what you're going to base your plan off of. That's great. That's okay. That's just the beginning. Now it's about, okay, now how do you build that plan? How do you, how do you most efficiently come up with that 70 to 80% rule? But Molly, you're right. Yes, we our process and the conversations we're having with our families hardly ever does it start with, all right, let's look at gross income. Now let's figure out what 70 to 80% is. And now let's build our retirement off of that. 
Um, that, I think there's just too many variables, too many assumptions in there. You know, the reality is people don't necessarily look at their gross income. We pay attention to the net take-home paychecks. Um, every household, they know what's coming in every month and hitting our bank accounts, and we build our lives off of that. So it's not the 70 to 80% rule. It's really built off of what is your monthly need. And those are the conversations we're having. Let's take a look right now at what level of money, what amount of money is going out the door to cover your current quality of life and your current lifestyle. And most families know that. They can look and say, all right, well, I, I know we only bring in 6000 a month, and we're not increasing debt every month, so we're spending something less than 6000 So we can identify that monthly need, and that's the best indicator of building the plan. You know, that's the best indicator of what you're going to continue to spend in retirement it's going to be very similar, at least initially, from what you're currently spending today while you're working. Yeah, and you said it best. The last month of working is not going to be that different than the first month of retirement, except for, of course, you know, the mental aspect of it, but your expenses don't go down. All of a sudden, your mortgage <laughs> doesn't go away because you've retired. Your car payment doesn't go away because you've retired. You don't want to get rid of your Netflix subscription necessarily just because you've retired. Oh, and by the way, you're still eating the same amount when you retire. So really this thought of expenses just drastically going down when you retire can be false. And I know I talked about travel and all that fun stuff. Yeah, that that that's a little over the top. But even your, what do you guys call it, set expenses really don't fluctuate that much when you retire. Yeah, as far as I know, the, the bank doesn't give you a retirement gift and tell you you, <laughs> you don't need to pay your mortgage. <laughs> right, and, wouldn't and that your, be nice? Your cell phone carrier is not uh, <laughs> decreasing your monthly cell phone bill. So yeah, those expenses, you know, you retire in July, you know, your June expenses compared to your July expenses, they're going to be pretty similar. And we certainly don't expect to see them go down. In fact, the reality is we often see them go up. And we, you, we've probably sh talked about this several times, but once you retire, now every day becomes a Saturday. And we all know we spend the most amount of our money and, and expenses and, and incur the bills on a Saturday and Sunday while we're working. So now you're retired and, and every day can be a Saturday. You can go out and grab lunch any day. You can run to the home improvement stores and identify some errands and to-dos. And, and reality is that most people end up spending more than what they were doing before, which then can really throw a wrench in that 70 to 80%. Yes, maybe you're not paying the income taxes and Social Security taxes and the Medicare and the FICA and, and all those, but you're going to replace those with something. You know, you may go out to eat, like I mentioned, more lunches and, and just you're going to find different ways. You have more time to travel. Yeah, let's talk about spending in retirement because we do know it's a long game. A lot of people are going to hopefully enjoy 20 to 30 years in retirement. So yeah, we're talking about those first couple of years, the travel, the, the really getting going, maybe spending a little bit more money, but that isn't always what you're going to spend throughout retirement. It's not so much a straight line. Retirement spending can be a little bit more, maybe like a smiley face. Yeah, we, we talk a lot about the go-go, the, the slow-go, and the no-go. You know, the go-go years, you're excited, you're younger, you're healthier, you have more family and friends around. You know, that provides you an opportunity to travel more. And we find that, at least from the discretionary expenses, what you can control, they tend to be higher then. You know, it's not as burdensome maybe to travel when you're younger and a little more vibrant. And then we go to the maybe slow-go years where you've taken a lot of those trips and maybe you're not as anxious or you know, excited to want to go see a place that maybe you already seen before. Um, and obviously, a lot of this is driven by health. So obviously, we, as we stay healthy and, and active and vibrant, we're going to continue to travel. And we all hope that's the case, you know, that we can continue to do that 
um, on our own choice as, as long as possible. But that's really what kind of drives us into that slow go years, and then ultimately the no go years. You know that where you know imagine being ninety and, and I well, I don't enjoy getting on a plane now in my forties. <laughs> you know it's it's I'm a little sore when I get to, right. uh, to my destination. I, right. I can't imagine maybe being in the eighties and nineties, and the travel just becomes a little bit more of a chore and burdensome. So maybe those discretionary and voluntary expenses go down. But there's the offset, too, where there's we can't 100% control what our expenses are and what our monthly needs are. And the biggest exposure there is that from a health standpoint. Do you need more doctor visits? Do you have maybe more prescriptions that are more costly? You know, do you need long-term care? So just because we start taking less travel or taking fewer trips, doing less travel, maybe going out to eat more or less, that doesn't mean you're spending less in total. So yeah, Molly, to your point of there, it can it can vary and fluctuate quite a bit from you know throughout your retirement journey. And one of the big things that you guys help families do is see how their money is going to last them. You project out to typically around age 100 and show them that what you've done, the hard work you've done will last you. But are people sometimes skeptical because we're talking about, you know, the long game of retirement? And did they say to you, hey, Sean, how can you estimate what I'm going to need in 30 years? I mean, if you even look at a small factor like inflation, I mean, if we continue on the path of 8 and 9% inflation, which we probably won't, most people would predict we wouldn't, but how do we know for sure? They're like, Sean, how can you tell me that this money is going to last? Let's talk a little bit about that process where you help people understand and, and kind of uh, uh, draw out an income picture for 30 years. That is the awesome part and really the fun part about going through that process. You know, once we identify somebody that we we agree to work together. That's where we talk about that. This is where we get to have some of the fun, you know, it's building that plan, you know, it's having some of that information so that we can help our families make smart, confident, informed decisions along the way. And the the technology part of what we do is, is an important part. You know, we are making a lot of assumptions, you know, imagine first working with a couple at age 60 and we're trying to show them what their plan looks like at age 90 or 100. That's a very long time frame and there's a lot of variables in there. You know, there's, there's constantly changes, um, constantly things changing throughout their retirement journey that we need to be aware of and, you know, use the best information we can to Im- implement or uh, make that a part of their plan so that we have a good feel for what things look like. So we, we have to, again, know what their expenses are today. We need to factor in an inflation rate. You know, Molly, you made a great comment. Yeah, if we continue at 7 8 9% inflation, I'm not sure that anybody will be able to retire. Right. So we make some sort of assumption on the rate of inflation so that we know what you're spending today versus what those same amount of goods are going to cost you 10 years from now is something more. And we, we have to factor in taxes. You know, we look at the current tax rate environment. I mean, we pay attention to what the future tax laws are set to look like so that we can plan for, you know, what portion of, you know, tax bill, tax liability are you going to have as you take those distributions. You know, we have to assume some level of rate of return in the stock market, and that can be really tricky. You know, the, the stock market gets so much attention, but it's really challenging. We, we know that no one person out there can control the stock market. So we need to make some sort of assumptions on the, on the growth and the rate of return and all of those variables. Um, and that's why I said it's such a long track record. There's so many assumptions that, you know, we don't want to put too much weight on maybe what things look like 30 years from now, but we also want to use the value of that plan to give you a good feeling, to give our families a good sense of what the plan looks like so that they can make a confident retirement decision. 
You might be wondering, do I have enough money to last me to and through retirement? Or how can I at least get started thinking about building a retirement plan? Here's a great opportunity. You can speak directly with a retirement planner. You can schedule a 15 minute complimentary retirement checkup call. Go to MerkleRetire.com. That's M-E-R-K-L-E Retire.com. And you can schedule your complimentary 15 minute retirement checkup call today. So we're talking about spending in retirement, but let's just go back to the word spending. You spend 30, 40, 50 years saving, and now somebody says, oh, no more W-2s. It's time to start pulling money out. And Sean, you've seen it. This is where people get a little bit nervous. They're not used to spending the money they've worked so hard to save. And again, this is where they might uh, pull back on their lifestyle just out of sheer you know, nervousness that they're not going to have enough to get there. So let's talk about that switch from the accumulation phase to the retirement phase. Yeah, we do see where it can be a psychological or mental hurdle to transition from that contribution and accumulation stage now to distribution. People that have saved well, that, that can be hard for them to flip to now spending. And you, we don't generally change who we are. All right? I mean, we, we grow up kind of who we are all of a sudden. You know, again, we, we retire on a July. We're not drastically a different person than who you were in June. So you're not going to start being reckless with your spending. Um, but that's where we, we do have a lot of conversations, you know, again, about the lifestyle plan and, and you know, what the legacy goals are. And, um, you know, we, we, we know we don't want to to defer that joy too far down the road because hitting 70, 80, 90, 100, certainly not guaranteed, you know? So that's a lot of our role too. We have some conversations with our families, you know, we, we push them to, if they're financially solid to maybe retire sooner than they really want to. And we push them to go spend. We can show them with confidence that, you know, you can comfortably and confidently go out and spend X amount per month. So we, we need you to do that because you worked just like you said, Molly, 20, 30, 40 years of saving so hard, this is what you did it for. Let's go now enjoy retirement and enjoy those golden years. Yeah, and nobody wants to do it, you know, frivolously, frivolously, frivolously. Nobody <laughs> wants to do it frivolously, but if you show me the numbers in a plan, which is what we do, we give people a binder and it has an income plan and it literally says you're going to spend X amount per month and you're going to have this and you're going to be invested here. You can do it with some confidence that you're still going to get to those goals that you want to. And maybe one thing people maybe forget about is that what long-term bucket of money, that's money that's maybe invested. And, and even though you're not uh, working anymore, you can still be growing some portions of your portfolio while you're spending. Yeah, there's a great part. A couple of thoughts you shared there. One is that we oftentimes can show people that they can afford to spend more than what their need is or, or budget. So that's a, that's a lot of fun when we can show people their plan and say, all right, let's go raise your quality of life in retirement. Never have we had a family say they want to lower their quality of life at the time of retirement. So they want to maintain it, if not raise it. So having that plan can be really valuable to show them that they can go out and do what, you know, accomplish their dreams, do their, you know, take their trips, do their travel. And part of the, a big part of that is having that portfolio and, and investment portfolio, you know, being intentional about it, feeling confident in what investment risk and what level of exposure people are taking on as they hit retirement. Um, the, it's Everybody feels this way. The, the corrections that we go through, the market ups and downs and volatility that we have when you're accumulating it feels much different than when you're first in retirement. We always know we have more time while you're still working and you're still contributing and really dollar cost averaging as you make those contributions every time you get paid. When you're in retirement, 
for the most part, generally, though, that DCA strategy goes away. You're not contributing with every paycheck. Um, so now the volatility and the ups and downs, they, they mean something more. And most people don't want to take as much risk in retirement. They don't have as much time. You know, they know they're now going to be taking, you know, let's just say it's $7,000 a month out for their income plan. They don't want to see their portfolio going down significantly at that same time. That's going to bring on some of that anxiety. So as we work with our families to build that port their portfolio, there's a lot of different strategies. We talk about, you know, the, the short term, the midterm, the long term, you know, have those different, you know, buckets. Let's make sure that we have their income needs met for a certain amount of time, you know, maybe six, 12, 18 months, even up to two years. And that, that way we know we have money set aside. We don't need to worry about the volatility in the markets for their short-term income needs. And then maybe those midterm buckets where maybe they have their eyes set on some certain expenses and, and we want to have maybe a certain amount of risk, but not full risk in the markets. And then we talk about the long-term bucket. We still always want to have money in the markets when you're in retirement. You know, the plan is not to, if you've got a million dollars saved and you're in retirement, in total retirement savings, you're not spending all $1 million in year one of retirement. Otherwise, we've got a problem. <laughs> so we're always, we always need to continue to have some of those dollars in the market, in the markets, you know, taking a, a good amount of risk, you know, take, take the amount of risk that, that fits the risk appetite for that individual or for that couple. Um, and make sure that we continue to get growth. We need to outpace inflation. Uh, we still need to cover the tax bill, the tax liability that comes along with your distributions. And we still need to cover, you know, potential unplanned, you know, the health care, you know, expenses that are going to come up in your retirement journey that maybe you didn't want to have or maybe weren't planning for. We need to continue to get growth within your portfolio to put you in a great spot to make sure that you can cover all of your, 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 lifetime, your lifestyle and your expenses throughout your retirement journey. Another concept that I think kind of debunks this rule of thumb that you'll only need 70 to 80% of your income when you get into retirement is understanding to the difference between money and income. Because let's say you're looking at retirement, let's say you're 60, right? And you want to retire soon, but you're not sure if you have enough. So you're looking at this rule that you're going to need 70 to 80 and you're running all the numbers and you look at money you look at some objective and you say, if I could get to a million, then I'll be okay. But you've just got a million in your mind. That's it. It could be an I, all these, whatever, your whole portfolio. Well, that's money. But when it comes to retirement, that may not all be income. So if you're following the 70 to 80% rule, you've got to keep one big concept in mind. And the, the guy with the C, the P, and the A behind his not name knows exactly, <laughs> I think, where I'm leading him. It's a sense like you're maybe talking about taxes or something ding, like ding, that. Ding. So. Got, look at that. I just pitched it to him. He hit it. He hit it. Out of the ballpark. So, so now we're now we're going to get settled in. Hopefully everybody's got a coffee. So this is going to go in another hour or two since we're opening up <laughs> uh -oh. the IRS Wait, are those, is that the IRS uh, handbook he's got there, Rochelle? Oh, handbook. What does IRS call it? Guidebook, rule book? Who knows? They've got plenty of them. So whatever, whatever phrase you like. So. It's almost as if we should have tax planning as one of the com components of our process. Like oh, well, taxes matter. And, let's and talk to somebody. Good idea. Maybe we should add that. So oh, wow. if it's not already there. I think if you're into tax planning, you could just scroll right through our library and you'll see that we've done a lot of podcasts on tax planning. <laughs> we really dive into it. But I think this concept of money versus income, taxes are a great example example of how those are two different things in retirement. Yeah. Again, unfortunately, the IRS doesn't give us any retirement gifts and tell us that we no longer <laughs>
longer have to file a tax return, you know, so you're going to file a tax return every year for the rest of your life. And then you even get to file one more return after you pass away. Oh. So taxes are going to be a part of your life throughout. And, you know, the, the objective, the primary objective of having a tax plan and what we help our families do is that we want to focus on how much of your total retirement savings do you get to keep and get to spend? And that's really what you care about. So Molly, you mentioned having a million dollar portfolio, you know, and, and that's where it matters what type, what tax type of savings makes up that $1 million. If you have $1 million, all, re, all of your retirement savings in a pre-tax IRA or in your traditional 401k, that's a balance. And that, that doesn't translate into having a million dollars that you can go spend to enjoy your retirement. Um, you're going to have a tax liability. You know, Uncle Sam is your business partner on that $1 million. So we need to, that's part of the plan. And we're going to show you that we know we need to incorporate taxes into that. And then really, let's be as efficient as possible. That's the goal of the tax plan. Let's pay the least amount of taxes that you have to throughout your retirement journey. And our, our technology allows us to have that snapshot and, and give you that viewpoint of what that's going to look like. So um, let, let's do some things. Let's make sure that you can spend and keep as much of that $1 million. And that way you have a sense of what your plan looks like when you do hit 80 and 90 and 100. And all, all these six components of our process, you know, they really overlap. The tax plan is part of the income plan, which is part of the investment plan, which is can be part of the healthcare plan and, and part of the legacy plan. And, and obviously it's all driven a lot by the lifestyle plan, as we mentioned earlier. So we need to be intentional about taxes. We need to have a tax plan so that you're as efficient as possible as you build that income plan and help you achieve that goal of, you know, the 70 to 80% of your income, if that's the rule of thumb that, that works for you. Yeah, going back to that goal, so we'll just keep with round numbers because they're easier for me. So this one million, so let's say you're looking at retiring, you think you're going to need 70 to 80% of your income, you've got the one million saved up, but it's all taxable. What you're saying is that one million is as much as it feels like, but let's say you've got a lot less than that. Let's say, let's just, again, let's go 500,000 and you're kind of following the 70 to 80% rule and you're going... I can't retire yet. I've got to work five more years because I've got to get to some amount. Well, talk to a retirement planner. And here's why. Here's why I'm going with this. If that money is not taxable, it's a lot more powerful. And also what I've learned listening to the retirement planners is there's a mix too. You can do some things with the money as you spend it to make it stretch. So that 500,000 that doesn't feel like maybe you're at the goal, it really could be the goal depending on what you do with the long-term tax plan. Your total balance is not the indicator or driver that tells you That's what I was not. trying to say. <laughs> Way to go. Look at this guy just wrapping it up in a little bow for me. Thank you. So a, a healthy total balance doesn't always mean a healthy and strong retirement plan. You know, we, we've seen $500,000 portfolios that are stronger than a million-dollar portfolio. You know, we have the different tax types, the pre-tax, the Roth, the non-qualified. Well, those are going to drive a different tax liability. And, and that's a big reason why going back to, we say, if you're within 10 years of retirement, that's the right time to start thinking about building a plan. It, it gives you that time. It's nature planning, right? Failure plan is planning to fail. You know, it gives you that time to make smart tax decisions and maybe gradually shift some of your retirement savings to a Roth when it makes sense as you have the opportunity to be efficient with taxes. And it can position you to be in a much stronger position at retirement and throughout retirement. Um, so again, the Roth, the pre-tax, the non-qualified, it can create different tax opportunities throughout retirement. And the 
and a great thing you want to be thinking about is it really just puts you more in control of your tax plan and your overall retirement plan when you have these different tax buckets. If you have a target of hitting a certain income amount or you know you need $80,000 to spend in a certain year, you have different buckets to draw from. Now you have more control on minimizing and being as efficient as possible with your taxes, which allows that total portfolio to stretch further and make it even longer further into your retirement journey. Yeah, and allowing the portfolio to stretch further, not having to feel like you can't live the lifestyle you want. That is all part of enjoying retirement. And that's really at the end of the day, why you put together the plan, why you execute the plan, why you change the plan if you need to. If you want to travel, maybe you spend more one year, spend less the next year. That will help you enjoy retirement. And really, that's what all of this is designed to help people do. Yeah, as your retirement journey unfolds, your retirement plan continues to develop. You know, it's it's not a transaction. We don't just build a plan once. You know, I give it to you at retirement as a little, with a little bow on it and tell you to, you know, good luck, go enjoy retirement. It's a constant. Having a retirement plan is a living, breathing thing. And as life happens, as legislative changes happen, your plan continues to develop. And that's why we periodically have reviews and get together with our families that, you know, again, we're not 100% in control of what retirement's going to look like. We try to maintain as much control as we can, you know, stay healthy, you know, control your expenses, but unplanned events will happen. And that's when the value of the plan really shows is that when something does happen, you're not in a position where you have to slam on the brakes and figure everything out, right? We just need to slow down a little bit, uh, make adjustments, review the plan, and maybe we're making slight turns here and there. And, and again, that's where we get to have that fun. And that's where, you know, that, that's really our role. We're providing confidence and comfort to our families. You know, that's ultimately what they're looking for. That's why they choose to work with us and build a retirement plan. If you want to talk to a retirement planner about getting started building your retirement plan, you can schedule a complimentary 15-minute retirement checkup call by going to MerkleRetire.com. That's M-E-R-K-L-E Retire.com. We'll continue talking about all of the components of retirement on this podcast. It's Retiring Today, and we thank you for listening. Merkle Retirement Planning is an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of investments and insurance products to custom suit their goals and objectives. Any information discussed in these shows is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment advisory services are offered through Elite Retirement Planning, LLC. Insurance services are offered through MRP Insurance, LLC. Sean, I think you should get a white suit. Wear it after Labor Day. You mean another white suit? You're, you're making the assumption a I don't have two what, already. Pinstripe. Oh, oh. We, we could have a Miami Vice week. You know, I'm sure Lauren's yeah. got some jazzy. Don Johnson. Suit. We should do dress up week. I mean, I think our families would enjoy it.